0: How do you go from a 2.4 GPA to thriving? That's what we're going to cover today. The Pre-Mid Years, session number 555. Hello, and welcome to The Pre-Mid Years, where we believe that collaboration, not competition, is key to your success. I'm your host, Dr. Ryan Gray, and in this podcast, we share with you stories, encouragement, and information that you need to know to help guide you on your path to becoming a physician. Welcome to the pre, my dears. Thank you so much for joining me today. Happy Thanksgiving week if you're listening to this when this episode comes out. We are releasing Wednesday, the day before Thanksgiving. I can't believe we are almost to the end of 2023. I hope this year has brought you everything you have wanted, uh, including a medical school acceptance, if that's what you're hoping for. Or maybe you started med school this year. Uh, but before we jump into our amazing episode today, I want to talk about the MCAT minutes brought to you by Blueprint MCAT. Before you jump into all of that MCAT prep blindly, go over to blueprintmcat.com today. Sign up for a free account. Get access to their amazing study planner tool to help you plan out your prep. While you're also using that study planner tool, set aside some time to take their half-length diagnostic just to give you a little bit of a taste of what the MCAT looks like. You get a half-length diagnostic, a free full-length exam, their amazing study planner tool, so much more. Go check it out at BlueprintMCAT.com. Our guest today, Stephen, found himself struggling to keep his grades up. And he's turned around his 2.4 freshman GPA and is now thriving. Stephen, welcome to the pre mid years. Thanks for joining me.
1: It's a pleasure to be here, Dr. Gray. Thank you for having me.
0: When did you first realize you wanted to be a doctor?
1: So when I first realized I wanted to be a doctor I specifically remember hurting my knee when I was about 14 uh, maybe like eighth eighth grade ninth grade something like that mm-hmm. um, my mom took me to an orthopedic clinic and we were seen by a woman in scrubs you know so I was listening to her ask me these questions and, and um, work up my my injury I'm seeing all these posters around me uh, being fascinated by all that, the musculoskeletal system and everything. And before she leaves, I asked her, I'm I'm like, Hey, um, what's your like title? What's your job position? And she was actually a PA. She told me, so that was my first initial encounter. She told me she went to college for uh, music, which was, I thought was interesting. Hmm. Um, and then of course the doctor saw me later on, I asked him how he got where he is, um, then you know through high school, that was in the back of my head. And then once I got to college, I was actually pre-PA and pre-med for a little bit and then just went to pre-med yeah. after doing some research.
0: What was it about that encounter, right? You, you hurt your knee and there's people in scrubs and doing this and that. A lot of people hurt their knees, hurt their ankles, hurt whatever body parts they're hurting, go and get taken care of and, and don't give it a second thought. What do you think it was about that encounter that was like, oh, there's something here.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I know it's a super common story. Everybody, mm-hmm. oh, grandma got hurt herself, I hurt myself. Yep. But, um, I mean, it's true. It's, it's common, it's something that people talk about a lot because it's true and it's a very powerful experience. For me, in particular, I think that it was something about, I felt at that age that this person knew everything. This person uh, had all the answers as to what would make me feel better. And that was extremely comforting. Of course, I understand that you know they probably didn't know everything. The doctor wouldn't know everything either. but it, feel, it felt that way. It seemed that way at the time. And I just saw myself as vulnerable in that moment, and it, it was something that I thought would be very interesting mm-hmm. to learn about, to um, just kind of uncover a little bit and maybe make, make somebody else uh, feel that comfort later on
0: yeah so you head off to college and you you mentioned your pre p a pre med kind of simultaneously uh you're you're uh, as as some people would say you're undifferentiated at that point right still uh trying to figure out where you want to be uh when you grow up when you're when you're pre-med and pre-PA, how are you making decisions in terms of classes to take, activities to do, or do you think that early on there's so much overlap it didn't really matter?
1: Um so that's a good question. I think that in my specifically, I was only pre-PA for like maybe half a semester the very, okay. very first year. Very quick. So at that point in your career, your or like your college career, you're meeting with advisors pretty regularly and they're steering you in the right direction as far as, okay, are you pre-PA? Then we'll need to start doing these things. Are you pre-med? We'll need to start doing some of these things. Um, and I specifically remember that my freshman year, at some point when I was meeting with one of these advisors, they had my, my, uh, degree plan on a piece of paper, everything. Next semester you'll we'll take these classes, next semester you'll we'll take these classes. And at the top it said goal pre-med slash pre-PA. And she asked me, so are you going to do pre PA or, or pre-med? Like, which one is it going to be? And up until this point, I hadn't like fully decided, but it was just in that moment while I'm sitting in her office, just like, <laughs> um, I guess I'll, I'm going to do pre-med. Let's do that one. And then that was it. She crossed off PA and that was like, she, it was, it was pretty symbolic. So at that point on, I was just full in for, uh, the pre-med route. Yeah.
0: So you're, you're pre-med kind of by, by happenstance, (laughs) like, yeah, just cross out that other one. Um, what, what, what do you think was the hardest thing about being a pre-med student?
1: I think the hardest thing for me, um, I want to say comparing, right. You know, when I was in college, a lot of my friends were very in awe of like how stress-free I was, you know, like, Before exams, I was never stressing. You know, I still might not do the best, but I was never stressed out. I was never losing sleep over this stuff. And to them, they might have thought that I was never comparing myself, never doing, um, never having any thoughts about somebody else doing really well and comparing myself to that. But I still was, you know, I I just didn't show that or try to embody that, that, uh, that pressure. But I think comparing people, you know, I know you don't like that website that starts with an S ends with an N. <laughs> but um, there are people on there that are talking about, oh, I have this going on and that going on. Like, you know, you're comparing yourself constantly. You're worried about your route and people are getting there before you. People are getting to med school, you know, straight through. Some people are taking two gap years, one gap year. I personally took two and um, just seeing people, uh, do that get ahead of you ahead of you right um i'm sure was was uh is probably a big obstacle for people uh for me i think that was probably the most difficult thing second would probably be just the absolute marathon that it is especially when you take gap years i look back at like taking the mcat and i'm like man there was literally nothing physically compelling me to study all this time day after day. Like there's no reason for me to do that really. Like nobody, I wasn't held hostage somewhere, you know, like, but I just day in and day out, like all these other pre-meds, all these other medical students, you know, they just have the the willpower to make it happen. And, you know, it's, it's a tough marathon, but why, why are you worried about other people at this stage? I think because you're just surrounded by it. You know, you're surrounded by people that are, you know, typically type A, very high achieving. I've, I personally never considered myself a very high achieving. You know, I got my first C when I was in middle school, uh, was an A, B student, elementary school, like had a couple of C's in high school. Like I was not super off the charts or anything. And when you see people that are uh, next to you in Gen Chem, you're going to be like, man, I got to compete with this guy, you know? I remember another time I was taking a organic chemistry class and my TA for organic chemistry was just one year older than me. And I'm like, man, this guy's teaching me organic chemistry. And he was talking about the MCAT and him taking it. And I was like, man, this guy knows every single thing there is to know about organic chemistry. And I'm competing with him on the MCAT. Like my odds are so bad. Like that's, I remember thinking that, but um, of course it's not like a one-to-one, competition or anything like that. But yeah, I think you're just surrounded by it and yeah. you just feel compelled to compare yourself sometimes.
0: And your pre-med path wasn't the smoothest. What, yeah, what it happened? it
1: definitely was not. So a theme that I tried to encompass in my application that I did see unfolding throughout my undergrad career was this story of failing initially and then coming back and redeeming myself later on the most immediate example of this was as a freshman you know classic story you know running with this high school study habit that you have and thinking that keep you afloat but of course it didn't do the job i wasn't even partying i wasn't even like doing anything bad I (laughs) i was just doing poorly um in my classes you know so that required i remember my uh my midpoint gpa like before grades were officially out was like a I think it was like a 1.9 or something at the midpoint so it wasn't official but that was where things were headed initially my first semester and I was like this is this is not right and I was getting emails like academic probation if you don't um get your grades up by the end of the semester and I'm just like man something is something is not not right Mm -hmm. and I think that was a combination of factors right the high school habits not not working I also think it was um i was kind of i didn't make decisions for myself a lot like i lived far from campus just because some of my high school friends were living there and i was biking all over the place i wasn't you know i was just taking a long time to commute to classes and commute back home i was tired when i got back wasn't studying like i should have but all like intrinsic things that i was controlling so um yeah my gpa started off really poorly and then i figured things out sophomore junior, sophomore year things came up so so let, let me backtrack actually like my freshman year gpa at a point or something and then my sophomore year ended at a it was like a 3.1 i think what was freshman year but then my first semester was a 2.4 or something okay and then my second semester I was like uh it ended I ended the year at a uh 2.9, I think. Okay. Just under a three. Okay. And because of this, because I was under a three, I lost this scholarship that I actually <sighs> got from like high school, like being a national Hispanic scholar, I got a scholarship. Mm. And so I lost that like right out the gates. You know, so I'm like, man, I'm gonna not only am I doing poorly, like I'm losing me now too. Yeah. So that was a big, a big um detriment, but, um, it was, it was a lot of, a lot of, uh, factors that contributed to that. Um, but,
0: uh, Wait, and What happens at that point? Cause a lot of students at that point <clears throat> meet with an academic advisor, just look inside themselves and go, I'm done. <laughs> uh, did, yeah. did you give up at that point and go, I'm going to go do something else?
1: No, I mean, and, and again, this is after, I've already crossed off pre-PA with my advisor. I'm, I'm full on pre-med and honestly quitting never crossed my mind, like in the slightest capacity. I think I was pretty lucky because I don't remember how, but I did find some of your resources early on. And a big thing that you harped on was don't have a plan B. And I think this kind of comes back to my like stress-free like personality was Hmm. that I know that I'll get where I need to go, but it might just take me a little longer. Yeah, And that was something I remember telling my classmates and stuff. I was like, they didn't know how, you know, what my grades were like exactly, but I was, um, you didn't didn't wear it on your shirt sleeve. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) For some reason I didn't do that. (laughs) But, um, yeah, I I remember saying that and, and really embodying that still to this day. Yeah. And it's worked so far. Yeah. So. Hopefully so, doing that.
0: so obviously kind of 2.9, 3.1ish, hovering around that 3.0 mark. How do you improve because my assumption is you had to improve to get into medical school. So so what changed for you?
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean, my junior and senior years like all those semesters I was getting 3.9, 4.0s. Uh I think part of it. The- Taking that responsibility and knowing that I did poorly, not because my friends wanted me to live with them far from campus or because you know there was no it was nobody's fault. The class wasn't too hard because people were getting A's I just wasn't so I, I I really like saw it in myself and knew that this is something that I'm making a mistake doing. this is my fault that I'm making these grades and If I want to make, if I want to have an upward trend, like Dr. Gray's been telling me, then I need to make a change in this second half of my college career, Mm -hmm. right? And that's also when COVID was, was kicking up for me or for everybody rather at that point. Mm -hmm. So everything was online. Classes were getting all messed up and, um, it was a, a really weird period, of course, but you know, I, I knew that it was now or never because mm. I couldn't bank on an upward trend on the last semester or something. Like that. I, needed some, <laughs> I needed some more data points that, yeah. sure that I could handle it.
0: Exactly. Okay. Um, so you, you changed, but again, like, okay, great. So you tell yourself, I'm going to do better, but di- did you go to office hours more? Did you get a tutor? Like, how did you do better?
1: Yeah. Yeah. So that absolutely included going to office hours, mm-hmm. making the professors know who I was. Mm-hmm. Um talking to the TAs, they would always have like TA office hours. I didn't miss a single one of those nice. for my harder classes, physiology, genetics, microbiology. I was going to every single one of those, making sure the TAs knew who I was too. Um asking questions and I think it's a big it's a big a big um part of that was also like surrounding myself with people that we're doing what I wanted to do as well. Mm-hmm. Like the people I lived with my freshman year, were not pre-med. I'm not saying you have to hang out with only pre-med students, but if you want to, you want to surround yourself with people that are doing what you're, what you want to do,
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, just so you have those people to bounce things off of, and then you can hang out with, hang out with anybody, but make sure you're wh- around people that are where you want to be as well. Yeah. So study groups and things like that
0: yeah. okay and so you turn things around one of the typical questions that comes from students is like okay great i turn things around but how do i know if it's good enough right do i oh do i apply and take the chance uh do i do a post back or a master's program how did you handle trying to gather data to figure out those next steps
1: yeah so this was a huge huge point of contention for me so i didn't plan on taking two gap years i um i thought that i might be able to just get away with doing one so i was looking into doing the uh a um, a, a master's program for that singular gap year that i was going to take um, and the reason why i thought i might need a master's program was because my final gpa was so borderline. It was like a three point four cumulative, and a three point three science. And of course, there were massive upward trends in both of those. Yeah. So it told a different story once you looked at all the data points. Yeah. But it was so borderline. I just sure, and I remember going so many of yours, Doctor Wright's uh, like app uh, sessions. With you and the whole map team. Mm-hmm. And I would ask, Hey, my name is so and so. I <laughs> have these data, like these are my trends for my GPA. Mm-hmm. I'm in Texas. Do I need a postback or SP? And even Dr. Wright answered my question because it was a, a Texas question. Yeah. And even he was pretty, pretty uh, iffy on if I should or should not. Yeah. Said it depended on what my MCAT would come out to be mm-hmm. on a lot of things. So I ended up um, applying for this master's program Funnily, funny enough I, I didn't get accepted to it oh I said, no <laughs> I'm gonna take I'm gonna take a second gap here I guess and uh, all this but yeah I, I didn't know if I needed to um, to do a gap or uh, excuse me a, a post bac or an SP mm-hmm. but I figured that once admissions committees looked at my whole profile, that the trend would speak for itself, and my coursework would speak for itself, and that's what you say after all is the point of a postback is to prove that you can handle yeah. these um, rigorous courses, and I felt like I did that with my with my upper level courses.
0: Awesome. So you, I want to rewind a little bit. You applied to a master's program and didn't get in. What what happened? You know?
1: Yeah, I did not get a, get in, which I thought was funny. Like I've told some of my meds, ask me how like kind of funny guys I, ex- I got into med school but I didn't get accepted to uh, like graduate school like for a master's but um the, at the at the point that I submitted that application there was um there were still uh grades that were not finalized like my senior year grades were not included in that and obviously those were good grades so those my GPA up higher and that's um Application to that master's program also included a MCAT score. My initial MCAT score was not very strong. Okay. So I think there was a number of factors that contributed to that. Okay. So my my medical school application had a stronger MCAT, had a higher GPA, had a more fleshed out personal statement, all that stuff. So okay. I think. There's reasons for that.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you you uh, get rejected from, uh, from a master's program. You're like, screw it. I'm going. I'm going to, to apply to medical school. Obviously, you mentioned, right, higher MCAT score uh, is great, uh, better GPA because those extra classes came in. When you look at your application, what do you think it was that helped schools kind of look past some of these? potential academic risk issues?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I, I realized that, you know, a lot of time has happened since those poor grades. Um, a lot of time has passed since those poor grades happened. So I realized that the most recent things would probably be the most important, which included my, my better semesters, a lot of uh, work as a, as a medical assistant, a lot of clinical experiences, During my gap years and I felt very confident in my writing because I'd found all your resources very early on, like my freshman year. So I was listening to your podcast and watching YouTube videos, all that stuff from like for multiple years. So like freshman year, sophomore year, junior year, senior year. And then my two gap years. So over five years, I was listening to your resources. <laughs> I'm uh, sorry. <laughs> and the, yeah, I mean, it's, you know, I thank you, but it's <laughs> it's, uh, it's a lot of one topic. It can kind of be engrossing and, yeah. and suffocating. Like this is all that is going on for such a long period of time. But I felt like by having so much um, experience with what you talk about, I felt very confident when I was, when it actually came time to submit an application to medical school, um, a, an advantage that I felt was necessary to offset my poor grades. And, you know, there were people that I was applying with at the same time. And, uh, they had questions that I thought were you know obvious because I've been listening to things for so long from you. Mm. Um, but it, it put it in perspective, like, you know, There's people that are applying also that, you know, don't, you know, watch your videos or uh, don't go the extra mile to see what it might take, like kind of like the hidden curriculum we talk about sometimes Yeah. like, but reading between the lines, like what are the, the, uh, the not so clear ways to, uh, to improve your odds of getting accepted. Yeah. And I felt like I had ample time to go through yet.
0: Yeah. So you're uh you're a Texas applicant. Uh one of the good things about Texas, the the Texas application, TMDSAS, is that it has two extra essays, one optional, one required, although even TMDSAS personnel will tell you that optional one is required <laughs> as well. Yeah. How did you utilize those essays? One of them is like uh, is there anything else you want to tell us type question? The other, the other question is, is kind of like, how are you going to enhance the academic environment of your classmates? How did you take your early struggles, if at all, um, and and utilize those two extra essays to to really help reassure schools that you're this new person, not the the old person?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I actually have my application right here next to me. Um, so the two you have the personal statement you have the optional essay which is the unique experiences that you're talking about the third one is the personal characteristics essay um so when it came to addressing like my academic shortcomings from early in my college career i wanted to do that once and just kind of keep it succinct i didn't want to harp on it too many times in my application because I like my application is a whole item right it's, it's not like they're gonna see one of these essays on its own and you know I think they're just they're gonna get the idea that uh, if I talk about it once, then they'll understand that and move on and go with my application. So I did address that in one paragraph in my optional essay mm. So I talked about you know, why my grades were poor i took responsibility for that which i think is huge
2: mm-hmm.
1: um i didn't want to point any fingers the class was too hard yep. or you know anything like that i wanted to stay clear from any language that was suggestive of uh, other people being f- at fault yeah so i accepted that responsibility and i was very explicit with things that i thought caused it and then i was also very explicit with things i did to address it okay so i didn't leave any gray area um i was very clear with you know this contributed to my poor performance and this is what i did to change it mm-hmm. and luckily i was have it i i had the the numbers right the gpa changes to prove that those things actually worked definitely so i think that you know bolstered my my argument for sure yeah um as far as the the um the personal characteristics essay I was talking about um, being a URM. You know, my family uh, is Mexican. We're Mexican um, first-generation Mexicans, Mexican Americans, rather. And um, I talked about having, you know, some experiences with family members that do not have, you know, insurance. Mm-hmm. So, you know, like I have family who will um, have health things going on, but you know, without insurance, they can't properly address it. So. Mm-hmm. That was something that I talked about in my personal characteristics, and I used, I I talked about it as a unique perspective that I could contribute to the class. Mm -hmm. So as far as contributing to the educational experience of others, I thought that having that experience with family from, from Mexico, that that would allow me to better contribute to, um, the perspectives and point of views from in my class.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. What was it like to receive your first interview invite? How how many interview invites did you get at the end of the day?
1: Um, So I applied to 12 schools in TMDSAS, and I received six interviews. Amazing. Um, It was, man, it was the most mind-blowing thing to get an interview (laughs) because it validated everything that you've done that I had done up to that point. And I remember texting my mom and dad and my brothers and being like, I can't believe the people that give out MD degrees, (laughs) doctorate degrees. They think I have what it takes. (laughs) Oh my gosh, that was crazy. It was crazy.
0: Yeah. Why why do they believe in me? I don't even believe in me. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) The
1: plight that we all suffer from. I believe in myself. But it was was amazing. And, And I was pretty lucky because... You know, I, I applied decently early. I applied. I Think the application for TMSCS opened around early or mid May. Maybe it's mid
0: May when you can start to submit. Yeah.
1: Yeah, mid May, and I submitted the first week of June. So perfect. It was about two weeks. Yeah. And I got my first interview in August. So only a couple mm-hmm. months later, and it was it was extremely validating, and mm-hmm. it just boosted my confidence going in, and then. It was kind of funny how the interviews rolled in for me. It was like at no point. So like ever since I got that first interview, I was always, uh, there was always something on the horizon next. So as soon as that interview happened, I had another one that came in. So I had something else to look forward to. Mm-hmm. And there was just one came in about once every month until December. Nice. And yeah, it was just, it was very great. I was very grateful. So I was never... In silence, and like since that first interview came, so I was always waiting on another one to happen, or uh, had another one coming up. So that's great. Very, very fortunate.
0: Looking back at your interviews, did you get interrogated at all about your your GPA?
1: Uh, I actually did not. There was no mention okay. of my GPA whatsoever um, in any of my interviews. They talked about. Uh, my MCAT, which I initially scored pretty poorly on
2: mm-hmm.
1: and then took it a second time. So I took it my first time, uh, during the winter break of my senior year. Okay. So going into the last semester, I take the MCAT and I, I had studied for it, but not to my fullest potential Yeah. and, you know, didn't do well on it. Um, I could have applied with it, but I knew I could do better. Mm-hmm. So then a full year later and around the uh, the after I've graduated already, mm-hmm. I, I took it again and got like nine points up. So nice. I was very happy with that. And that was something that we talked about in my interviews was that how I made that change and mm-hmm. um, what, you know, the story of redemption that- I Yeah, it's, it that.
0: almost, it, it, it basically reflects your GPA as well. It's like- mm-hmm. Uh oh! Yeah, <laughs> I wanted exactly. to do well, but I didn't figure it out. Uh, but then I figured it out, and then I did
1: well. Exactly, and that was. And I thought something that I talked about as well in my application with this, you know, redemption theme was that scholarship that I initially lost as a freshman. Mm-hmm. I eventually reached the required GPA as a senior to get it reinstated, so it came full circle when. I lost it as a freshman, and after making all these changes, I got it back as a senior. So I thought that was pretty poetic and fun mm-hmm. that I uh, could kind of point to and say, "Hey, look, I have something to show for all this uh, this uh, growth and uh, mature maturity that I developed." So, yeah, what was it like
0: to get that first acceptance?
1: So, <clears throat> since I'm in, in Texas, I actually got my acceptance on match day mm-hmm. i didn't pre-match to any of the schools i interviewed with okay but so I, you had to
0: wait until it's february right for match day it, or is it march
1: it's uh it was march 3rd okay for for us i think they changed it from february but okay it's now like early march yeah um and i was you know i had six interviews and i was thinking to myself hey like it's most likely that one of these schools will say yes to me so for that reason, because like statistically, it seemed to be the the uh, more likely scenario mm. to get accepted somewhere. I was comfortable enough to like record it and like Facetime my parents <laughs> while I opened it. Oh no! And my brothers. So, um, if I had one interview, I don't know if I would have done that. But mm. I felt super lucky to to kind of immortalize that moment and yeah. have all my family there to to see it happen. Yeah. Um, and I matched at a school that I love, that I'm very familiar with and had an amazing interview experience with. So, um, I was, I couldn't, couldn't have been happier really. It was, it was a great
0: Well, I I know potentially what would have made you happier or at least more comfortable was pre-matching six interviews. Why do you think you didn't pre-match?
1: Yeah, that, yeah, you're right. That definitely would have made me more. comfortable um as far as like the logic as to what you know results in a pre-match i just i just wasn't sure i mean i thought that i interviewed well Mm -hmm. um at all the places i went to but you know you you try to intellectualize and find like okay my interview went well but this is bad on my application like does that still equal a pre-match people will try to find logic in this black box of admissions and i I try not to rack my brain too much and all that and you know just let the let the pieces fall where they may and i mean i didn't get any pre-matches but i'm okay with how things worked out still it worked out
0: how's med school going so far
1: so med school now is exactly like they say it is (laughs) as far as the pancake analogy, yep. The fire, fire hose, analogy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All that's true. People saying the content's not that hard; it's just a lot. That is also true. Yeah, but um, it's it's a lot. We're we're looking at maybe an average of two to three lectures a day, about an hour each. You know, some mandatory events to do lectures and whatnot, but making a lot of friends. Everybody yep. here's brilliant. You know, <laughs> very diverse. Yeah. class which i think is awesome um it's, it's 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 a blast really so super excited to be here i i look back still on um you know some of the posts you make right where people are asking questions about the minutia of mm-hmm. an application and i just feel very grateful to be on on this side i guess but you know of course it's just a never-ending chain right i'm sure residents now are <laughs> medical students and attendings are looking at residents. So, yeah. Um, so you yeah, forgot fellows
0: in that start. chain. Don't forget yeah, the fellows. The fellows. <laughs> yeah.
1: How could I forget about the fellows? Yeah. But yes.
0: So looking back at your, your journey, obviously you've, you've learned a lot. Uh, you've been through a lot for someone going through what you've been through. What words of wisdom do you have to keep them motivated on their journey?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if I talk to myself, maybe my freshman year self or somebody who you know doesn't see any doctors with a last name that they have, I have a very like Mexican last name and people might not see any doctors with that. Um, I would just say they're out there, don't worry. I didn't find, I didn't talk to my first like Hispanic doctor until like my degree uh, offered like a Spanish certification that required you to shadow a Spanish speaking physician, And I saw the first one through that as a college student. And it was really, that was really inspiring for me because up until then I hadn't, hadn't seen anybody in my family or anybody in my familial friends or family like that go to medicine. Mm-hmm. So I just wanted to say like, they exist. They certainly do exist. There are some small per- percentage, but, they're absolutely there you might need to look a little bit harder but uh they're certainly there and i'm very excited to join and contribute to that percentage and um just help with representation in medicine and and uh and do my part to get back to communities that i grew up in right but as far as as far as advice i would say i mean Listen to Doctor Gray uh, <laughs> stuff. Absolutely. I mean, if you're here already, then you know you know where it's at, right? But you know, ask questions. Don't be afraid to ask questions. There's no stupid questions. I know, in like in med school now, I'm asking all sorts of what I what I think are stupid questions. But um, you know, look for help. It's out there. Don't be afraid to ask questions. Don't worry about comparing yourself. As I promise. I, you'll get where you need to go it might take a little longer but you'll get where you need to go if, if you want it then then you can get there um but yeah I, I i really liked your saying where uh anybody can can get into medical school it's not a matter of being like smart enough or like you just have to want it enough and i think i i always say that to people i talk to you know if they ask me about it I'll say, yeah, I mean, I don't think I'm that smart, but I wanted to do it. <laughs> but you, you
0: wanted it and you were willing to work for it. That's right. Yeah.
1: Willing to make those sacrifices and, and, um, and make it happen. So here we are.
0: All right. So there you have it. Hopefully this was some good encouraging information for you to help, you know, right? Even if you struggle a C plus GPA is what basically Steven had here, 2.4 GPA and uh, now he's doing much, much better. Hopefully this was helpful for you, give you some motivation to know that you are not alone and that, yes, you can overcome. I was in the uh, emergency department a couple weeks ago with uh, with a family member, and there was uh, an EMT who was working in the emergency department. She goes, I know who you are. I, I g- uh, basically gave up on being a pre-med, and then I found your podcast, and I, I realized I could do it. And I was just like, yes, yes, this is the episode. These are the episodes that really help people understand that, yes, you don't have to be perfect to get in to medical school. Hope you have a great week. We'll see you next time here on The Pre-Med Years. This is MedEd Media.